Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 22. Here's Pastor Ryan. Wisdom. Get it from balanced, solid Christians, right? Did uh, Jehoram killed all his brothers, so there's no one to ask but wicked people. And some people just want that, right? Anyhow, when when is it okay to not heed your parents' advice? Well, if your mom is named Atalia, (laughs) pretty quick if they advise you to do something contrary to what God says to do this also goes for spouses you know we just talked about it Sunday that a wife is to submit to her husband Ephesians says that they are to submit unto one another but what if the spouse says you know what Stop going to church. And you've been serving her and loving her. And she just says, you know, slow it down on serving. Must we pray at dinner? Must I go? Must we go? You know, at times like that, you know, you got to keep, that's a test from God. Whether or not you are going to say, you know, I love you, but I'm going to honor God. I'll serve you. I'll be a servant leader, honey, but I'm going to serve the Lord. If you don't want to, I still have to. I still get to because you didn't die on the cross for me. He did. He's my king. And vice versa. It could be the husband who's not in, you know, slow it down. You know, the devil can use spouses that aren't all in with God. They can manipulate all day long and, 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 and mess with them to mess with you. I mean, think about Peter and the Lord, how he, after Jesus said that he, would go to, he was going to go to the cross, Peter said, you know, far be it from you, Lord. And he told Peter, get behind me, saying, you're not mindful of the things of, of heaven, but of the things of, of earth. And that's a challenge. That's a great challenge for homes that are divided by one spouse is in and one spouse is out or one spouse is like on the fence and the other one's all in. It is a challenge that, that, that the believing spouse has to deal with daily, weekly, for the rest of their lives till death do them part because they said, I do, till death do us part. And as long as there's peace, They are to stay with them. And what that means in the peace is that they they don't hinder you from worshiping God or else you don't listen to them. And I don't know what that's like. I was blessed with the wife who sold out for Jesus. I don't know. My heart goes out. I I wouldn't know if like Clarissa didn't know the Lord and, and I'd be like, you know, God's really, you know, speaking to me about this or that. And it's like going over her head because she's not, 
regenerated because she can care less about Jesus. I don't know what that's like. I, my heart goes out. It breaks for those who have to deal with that. Only God knows. He who called you is faithful who will also do it, but do not compromise. And it's hard because uh, emotions are involved. Love making's involved. They're married. There's all kinds of needs and things in the home life. And a man or a woman who's all in has to battle through feelings, emotions, needs, and all of that to still say, nah, but I'm going to church. Nah, but we're going to pray at the table. Nah, but we're, you know, and uh, now I'm going to raise the kids in the Lord. In Matthew chapter 10, Verse 34 through 39, this is what our Lord said. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than that. That right there alone, you preach that at the churches across America, that place will empty out at least 75% of it. We're, we can't, you know, what are you saying? God wants us to love our family. God says, honor your mother and your father. He wants us to love our children. But the gospel separates. It is what it is because there are those who will honor the son of God and there are those who will not. And that is a huge thing to God. It is a huge thing. And God, no doubt, would have wanted a Hosiah to not listen to Atalia, his mother, and not listen to King Ahab's family over there. He would have loved to say, come with me, I'm taking you out of that family, and you will be my son, and I will be your father. And it would have taken a lot of guts and faith for him to do that. He did it in my life, my family, they're MIA. I love them and I'm praying for them, but they are MIA because of the gospel. They want nothing to do with Clarissa. It's between them and the Lord. But I grew up alone anyways. They were around, but I was alone. You know, a kid knows when they're when they're, <laughs> they are alone, even in the midst of family members. But if the Lord did not warn me of it, I may be shocked. But it almost blesses me. It blesses me because he told me it, it can happen. So that when it happens, it's not so shocking. I, I almost can't believe he said this. I can't believe the Lord says, when your mother and father forsake you, then I will be your help. 
in the Psalms. I can't believe how much it says he's the God of the fatherless and of the widow. That he takes the outcast from Israel. That he's the God that just takes all the orphans. That's what he does. I try my best not to act like an orphan anymore because I'm not. I do have a father. And he knows my name. A very wealthy father. I was talking to a newlywed couple last week at Calvary Chapel, Almani. And they heard me say what I just said to you. And uh, just married like a few months. The, the groom's family, his brothers, have been vicious to his fiance. His mother has been vicious to his fiance. And they were saying it really blessed them what I had said. It really comes from scripture. Glory to God. And I said to the young guy, I said, the Lord's showing you that the love you thought your family had for, for, for you, he's showing you that it, it was, it's not unconditional. It's conditional. And the conditions are they get to hurt your wife or you can't have a relationship with them. God is showing you their heart in your union with your wife. Their heart is being revealed. And she said, I didn't want to invite them. They're so terrible to me. And she's crying at the table. And I looked at him, I said, you see, that's her special day. God wanted her to enjoy her special day. She has no, no, she's not bound to honor them with that invitation if they are being immoral and wicked towards her. You know, if you want to reach out to them, and if God is calling you to reach out to unbelieving family members that are terrible to you, I'm sure you wouldn't do it at your wedding. Have lunch with them. They can ruin the lunch, but wedding's big. Wedding would have sent the message that there's a new sheriff in town and his name is Jesus Christ. And he will not have you spit on my wife that he just blessed me with. I love Jesus because he protects people. There's too many Christians who care about the victimizers over the victims. Oh, you were raped. Let's pray for your, your abuser. He, should, he needs to get saved. Technically, you're right. But is it loving to put that on the victim? The wisdom of God is first peaceable. It's kind. It's not, you know, oh, your family, oh, they, they hate you. It's up to you to save them. I've had, I, I remember early in our marriage with our situation, the pastor had said that that was, that was like our, our job to do. They came back in tears saying they were sorry for giving us that advice. 
because they ended up dealing with family issues. And then, yeah, okay, now you know. I, I, I'm a pastor and I can't save anybody. It's, it's according to the grace of God and, and the self-will of the person. If they don't want it, they don't want it. We pray that God would bind the strong man to open up their eyes so that they can see, but at the end of the day, they still have to choose. That way, no one can make an excuse when they're judged. I didn't know. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But, you know, um, this guy, Haziah, 42-year-old guy, what's mommy telling you? To put up idols everywhere. Some people are afraid to be witnesses amongst their family because they're, they're afraid their family will shame them or something. Don't you know that's just a test from the Lord to see if you're going to be down? Down means courageous to be a witness, and who cares what they say? Be a buzzkill. Anyways, he also followed their advice and went with Jehoram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel. Now, don't get confused. There's another Jehoram. Jehoram is a son of King Ahab in the north. Jehoram was the king that just died, Ahaziah's father. Don't get confused. Two Jehorams, one in the northern tribe, uh, northern kingdom, and one in the south, that his father that just died. So don't get confused here, okay? And so he followed advice to go help the king in the north, Jehoram, which was also his uncle. It's Ataliah's brother, right? Ahab's uh, other uh, son, and Ahab, king of Israel, to war against Hazael, uh, uh, Hazael, uh, king of Syria, at Ramoth Gilead. And here they go again against the Syrians. And the Syrians wounded Joram. Name change there a bit, the spelling to help with the confusion. Joram. Then he returned to Jezreel to recover from the wounds which he had received at Ramah when he fought against Hazel, uh, king of, of Syria. And Azariah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Jehoram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel, because he was sick. And again, an affinity uh, for the northern kingdom, just like his grandfather did, just like his father did. So look, this is Jehoshaphat's you know, doing, godly man. And it's just so important. <laughs> Lord, to help us to finish well. Because our kids are watching, our family's watching, our church is watching with loving eyes, cheering for us to do the right thing. You know, Jehoshaphat did that whole, sent the word out, sent, sent Levites out to teach the word throughout the kingdom fortified Judah, and then they saw him go up north, his caravan. And he went up there and got into, you know, Jehoshaphat failed a couple times, and this is the result. His son and now his grandson are going up there as well. Verse 7, his going to Joram was God's occasion for Ahaziah's downfall. For when he arrived, he went out with Jehoram against Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to cut off the house of Ahab. And so Jehu, 
was anointed by the Lord to be king in the northern kingdom and to go against King Ahab and Ahab's family. And that's who Jehu is. So Jehu is cleaning the house up there as part of judgment uh, from the Lord. Ahab's family was so wicked, God sent Jehu to go handle that. You can read about him in 2 Kings, I think chapter 9 and 10. And it happened when Jehu was executing judgment on the house of Ahab and found the princes of Judah. So now he finds the princes of Judah, the southern kingdom, and the sons of Ahaziah's brothers who served Ahaziah, that he killed them. Then he searched for Ahaziah, and they caught him. He was hiding in Samaria and brought him to Jehu. When they had killed him, and they killed him in Megiddo, which is uh, the valley of Almageddon. Uh, when they had killed him, they buried him because they said he is of the son of he is the son of Jehoshaphat, who sought the Lord with all his heart. And so that's pretty cool that they spared Jehu the disrespect by just leaving his body there for the birds to eat. That they actually buried him out of respect for his grandfather who sought the Lord with his whole heart, Jehoshaphat. So they're giving respect to his body because of his great, his grandfather's good reputation as a king who sought the Lord. And it's, I think it's a beautiful gesture, don't you? In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 7, it says, The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. What's better to give kings, I mean, what's better to give our kids than possessions and monetary inheritance? As we talked about, it's a good thing to bless your kids, obviously. But the better inheritance to give is that of a life living to serve the Lord. It will last. This world's so crazy that if God should tarry and we go home to be with the Lord, you know, we just die here and go up to, to heaven and, and like our kids and grandkids and, and they're all here and nieces and nephews. And give them a memory of you that is lasting, that you sought the Lord and that your Bible is still with us. Amen? So, the house of Ahaziah had no one to assume power over the kingdom. The lineage of David, where is it? Now when Ataliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. That meant that she went around and killed some of... Uh, some of her own blood there. Just a wicked, wicked lady. But Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. So he had an heir. However, Atalia, Atalia wanted to be queen, wanted the power. And uh, this uh, Jehoshabeth 
took, took the young boy and hid him. It's a beautiful thing. So Jehoshabeth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoadah, the priest, so for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Ataliah so that she did not kill him. And he was hidden with them in the house of God for six years while Ataliah reigned over the land. I mean, it reminds me. Now, that the lineage of King David is preserved. Why did it have to be preserved? Because Jesus Christ, the son of David, would be born one day through that lineage. And that's why you read about his lineage at the beginning of Matthew and of Luke. It's a beautiful preservation of God for the Messiah. It reminds me of the preservation of Moses. Exodus 1.22 said that Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, every son who was born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. And the midwives of the, the Egyptian uh, midwives were commanded by Pharaoh, if, if, a, if a Hebrew girl was born, let her live. If a Hebrew boy was, was born, kill him. But the midwives would not do so. And they were blessed of God because they would not do so. Reminds me of King Herod in Matthew 2.16, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise man, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Just the killing of kids in the Bible. Killing of kids in California. Killing of Israelites isn't new. World War II, the Holocaust. The enemy is trying to stop what God is going to do with Israel. And we need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for them. The peace of Jerusalem. They're going to go through rough times, so we got to pray for them. Um, we just, we just see a pattern in the Bible of Satan trying to kill the lineage of our Lord. 144 virgin Hebrew evangelists are going to be a preaching during the Great Tribulation. It's going to be a wonderful thing. And so many are going to come to Christ during the Tribulation period. So we got to pray. I was reading in my devotion today, Psalm 94, verse 20 through 21, and it says this. Shall the throne of inequity which devises evil by law have fellowship with you? I mean, I know I've read that before. And I know you've read that before. But let me read it to you again. Psalm 94, verse 20. Shall the throne of inequity which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you. Doesn't that just remind you of a lot of Congress in this administration? Shall the throne of inequity, which devises evil by what? By law, have fellowship with you? They gather together against the life of the righteous and condemn innocent blood. That's that's the most ultimate anti-abortion 
You know, he hates the shedding of innocent blood. We've heard that one, but 94, 20, and 21. Man, it just jumped out at me. I go, man, that's awesome. Deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? I think Jehoshaphat was wonderful. Who took her little nephew and hid him. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.